Welcome to the Home Church Podcast, where we bring you relevant teaching, faith conversations, and much, much more. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Good morning, Home Church. It's so good to be with you today, and I'm excited to continue our series, Dangerous Prayers. I don't know about you, but I've been absolutely loving this series and just really feeling challenged and growing in my prayer life. And so today I want to continue with that. And I want to start by reading from Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. In verse 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. You know, most of you probably know that I grew up in church. My parents were pastors. My grandparents were pastors. And many times in those days, you know, we would have people come, preachers come through, missionaries come through from Africa, and they would share slides on the screen, that makes me sound really old, of their work that they were doing. And at the end of the message, they would always end with a call to action, you know, saying, you know, God wants you to to lay down your life for him. And I had this passion in my heart that, yes, I wanted to do something for God, that, yes, I wanted to lay my life down. But I was terrified that if that happened, that I would have to go to Africa and be a missionary just like them. And I'll be really honest, that's not what I wanted to do. It was the last thing. I was absolutely terrified and it kind of held me back. And I used to think, oh no, if I, if I, if I say yes to God, that's what's going to happen. And if I say yes to God, he's going to make me marry the person that I really, really don't want to marry if I say yes. But you know, here we see Isaiah. I love this picture that he talks about how he's in the presence of God and, and what happens as a result of that encounter with God is that he prays that dangerous prayer. The prayer that I really wanted to pray when I was growing up, which is, send me. It's a dangerous prayer. Send me, use me. And you know, I think talking about the call of God in these days, I think we've kind of got things a little bit wrong in the church. We've started to think that when we talk about the call of God being on somebody's life, you've got the call of God on your life, that automatically means that you will give up everything and go to another country and serve God all your days, or you will go into into um, being employed by a church, or you will literally follow a career that's in the church. But I really believe that the call of God is for every single person. Everyone has the call of God on their lives. Now, some people have a specific call where they do want to you know, become a pastor or a missionary or something like that, but everybody, no matter who you are, 
everyone has the call of God on their lives. We think we, the, the call of God is not limited. It's not limited to one or two or, or a select few. If you're watching this today, I want to tell you, God is calling you just like he called Isaiah. The problem with the call of God is it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable at all. The call of God requires complete surrender. And we don't like that, do we? So we, it's easy to push that aside and say, well, it's not for me. You know, I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be, um, you know, actually go into that as a career, if you like. And so that's not for me because I'll just keep that separate and it's not for me. But I believe the call of God, like I said, is for everyone, but it, it requires us to surrender. It requires us to give up control. And that's a really scary thing. And I think that you know, going back to what I said about when I was growing up, that was the thing for me. I didn't want to say yes to God because if I said yes to God, he would say, okay, now that Louise has said yes, I'm going to make her do the thing that she really wouldn't want to do in the whole world. Whatever the worst thing is that she would hate, I'm going to use that to test her and I will force her to go to deepest, darkest Mongolia and preach the gospel far away from her family and by herself. And that would be something that terrified me. And so that's what we think. We think God is this guy who's up in the sky trying to make us do the worst thing as soon as we say yes to him. That's really not the case. if, If we're thinking like that, it's because we don't really trust that what God has for us is the best for us. We we're not trusting that God knows what's good for us. The other thing about calling and about praying that dangerous prayer is that we can often have the response that some people had in the Bible. Can you remember the story of Jonah, where God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach his word to the people of Nineveh? What did Jonah say? Yeah, I'm here, but I'm not going. He went in the opposite direction. What about Moses? God called him by appearing to him in a burning bush. I mean, that's pretty dramatic. I must say, I've not had anything quite so dramatic happen to me. But what did he say? He said, no, God, I'm here. Yes, but send someone else. It's no good. It's no good. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I can think of Gideon who was terrified. He was hiding away. What did he say? God, you've got to prove to me that it's really me that you want and that you're really going to come through to me. How many people could we list in the Bible who just said, no, thanks. But you see, we often have that same response ourselves because of our own insecurities, our inadequacies, or we just don't want to fully surrender to God. We we don't want to say yes to him because we know what of the cost that it'll entail. We know that God is going to do something quite radical in our lives when we pray that dangerous prayer, send me. But I want to tell you today and I want to challenge you. We need to pray that prayer. If we are going to live a life if we are going to live a life that is where we are ambassadors of Christ, where we are going to fully live out all that God has for us, we need to pray that prayer. God, here I am. Send me. Use me. You know, we're all human, but I believe that God wants us to have that response. He knows our faults and failings. And what I love is that even though Moses had that response, even though Jonah had that response, even though Gideon had that response, God was so patient with them. God gave them another chance. He pushed them. You know, Gideon tested God over and over again, but God still, I think I would have lost patience with Gideon, said, okay, I'm going to find someone else. But he doesn't. He actually says, okay, I'm going to work with you here. I'm going to be patient with you. I still want you to do this. And God will do that with us. He wants to be patient with us on the journey. But, But our first response has got to be yes. 
often we want everything worked out first, don't we? We want God to show us the plan. We want him to show us the road, show us God what's ahead. And then I'll decide whether I want to say yes. But God is saying, no, trust me. Say like Isaiah, yes, here I am. Send me, use me, and then I will walk you through the rest of it. So how do we get to that point? How do we get to where our response is, send me, use me? I've got three ways that I believe that we can do that today. Practical ways, you know I like to keep it practical. They're gonna help you get to that point and actually follow through with that prayer. Number one is developing our relationship with God. These verses, when I've been studying them, have actually been really challenging to me. Isaiah, it says in these, these verses, Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. He's not messing about here. He was in, uh, he had such an encounter with God, a confrontational encounter with God. And in, the, in God's presence, he was truly shaken, which caused him to pray that prayer and to say to God, send me, I'm here, God, use me. The glory of the Lord, the Bible says in those verses, filled the temple. Can I challenge you and ask you a question? When was the last time you had such an encounter with God that you are completely in awe at his glory and his holiness? You know, I must be really, really honest, even as the pastor, one of the pastors of the church, that, you know, during lockdown, it was a challenge. We were constantly, we were all in the house together, the seven of us, you know, everything was new, everything was changed. And although I was, you know, doing my devotions on my phone and I wasn't getting the space with God where just to be in his presence. And after a while, I really felt the, the pressure from that, that the, I felt depleted in my soul and my spirit because I wasn't having that encounter with God. And then the trouble is that when you have less of that, it's harder then to actually have that. We have to prioritize having our time with God and developing our relationship. Can I challenge you? Is your relationship with God deeper today than it was a year ago? Is it? Have you, are you progressing? Are you getting to know God more all the time? Or are you drifting away from him because of circumstances? Nobody intends to do that, but I think we allow things to crowd our lives and we don't hunger after the encounter with God. And you know, I actually grabbed some time after the, the holidays, Andrew took the boys away camping and Olivia was out of the house, Will was at a play date. And I remember just taking a good couple of hours just to worship God, turn that music up in his presence, get my Bible out and just really soak myself in the presence of God. And the energy and the refreshing that I felt from really just experiencing God's presence in such a tangible way. God is with us all the time. But we need those encounters, those times when we're in his tangible presence and we really get refilled by the Holy Spirit, where our relationship with him goes to another level. Can I encourage you to get that? If it's in the car or it's just shutting yourself in your bedroom for an hour or half an hour and just really taking time to linger in the presence of God, there's no substitute for that. And I believe as we do that, we, we will deepen our relationship. It's so easy to t treat God casually and sometimes even trivially. We take him for granted and we don't realize. Craig Rochelle says, God is too mighty to disrespect. He's too holy to treat casually. He's too good to speak to with ungrateful familiarity. He's too majestic to casually take him for granted. And sometimes when we've been a Christian for any length of time, it's really easy to do that. There's a very famous 
kind of preach that somebody did called Pastor Sam Lockridge many years ago and it's called That's My King. You may have heard it, you can listen to him do it on YouTube and I'm not going to pretend to be such a great orator as him and I, I can't even read the whole thing because it's so long but I want to read you a little bit of what he said and then you can go on and find it. Sam Lockridge, it says, the Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews, that's a racial king. He's the king of Israel, that's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the miracle of the age. He's the one, only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. Do you know him today? He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and he sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. Well, my king is the king. He's the key to, to knowledge. He's the wellspring to wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace and the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness and the gateway of glory. Do you know him? His office is manifold, his promise is sure, his light is matchless, his goodness is limitless, his mercy is everlasting and his love never changes. His word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's in invincible and irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. Father, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that? And when you get through with all the forevers, then amen and amen. How good is that? We've got to remember who he is is who is this God that we serve who is this God that we get to have an encounter with if we just reach out to him when we the more we have an encounter with him the more we hunger for an encounter with him and the more we have an encounter with him the deeper we know him James 4 verse 8 says draw near to me and I will draw near to you you know God is not playing hide and seek He's not, he doesn't want to be distant we have to draw near to him and he will come close how do you move towards praying this dangerous prayer? It starts with experiencing his presence, developing your relationship with God, and then you will trust that he knows best and he's got the best for you. Number two is an awareness of the grace of God. When we know more of God, we start to be aware of ourselves and our own sinfulness. Isaiah 6 verse 7 says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the, the Lord of hosts. And one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongues from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah became aware of his, own, of his own sin and then overwhelmed by God's grace for him. He was forgiven. His sin was forgotten and it was forgiven. And you know, there's no better, better thing to fuel your prayer life than a deep appreciation for God's grace. 
An immediate response from a forgiven and surrendered heart is, here I am, Lord, send me. It's not out of obligation or out of guilt, but it's out of gratitude. When we realize afresh what God has done for us, we realize what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, you know, Isaiah's sins had been atoned for. He didn't even know Jesus at this point. This is Old Testament. But God took his sins away and he was full of gratitude. He realized in the presence of God, he was aware of his own sinfulness. He was aware that I'm unclean. God, you're so pure and holy. But now my sins have been taken away. So God, use me. Use me for whatever you want. I need you to use me because you have done so much for me. It's out of gratitude. Let's remember afresh today what God has done for us, how he sent Jesus. Where would we be today without Jesus? Where would we be if we weren't forgiven? Again, if we'd live, if I think often if we've been a Christian for any length of time, we can become familiar with that and take it for granted. The fact that we live free every single day with our sins forgotten, buried, the Bible says, in the sea of forgetfulness. Surely out of that, when we're forgiven much that we want to give and we want to live our lives in gratitude to God by saying, God, here I am, use me for your glory. I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for you. So use me for your glory. And I think in that moment, our prayers can go from, please, can you do this for me, God? Please, can you do this for me? Like my prayers so often are, please, God, I've got a list that I want to bring to you. To God, whatever you want, I'm yours, use me for your glory. And I think the last thing that's going to help us pray this prayer and live it out is by submitting daily for God. You know, we've got to know that there's a battle going on and it's between our flesh and our spirit. Our flesh wants comfort and convenience. It doesn't want to fulfill the call of God, except when it feels good. And so often it doesn't feel good because it causes us to live outside of ourselves, outside of our own comfort and our everyday. It inconveniences us and requires something to go, something of us, requires something for us to go above and beyond just the norm. And so we have this fight and this battle going on. But our spirit, our spirit, when we have those encounters with God and we're aware of the grace of God, our spirit wants, is come, comes alive and says, yes, God, yes, I want to live for you. And we have this battle going on all the time. And let me tell you also, the enemy doesn't want you to fulfill the call of God on your life. He wants Christians to stay in comfort, just live in the norm, just living mediocre, average lives. But God has called us to live over and above, to live that John 10. 10, 10 life where we fulfill all that he has for us and we fulfill the potential and the call that he has for our lives. How do we overcome our flesh and live by our spirit? By submitting daily to God, by daily feeding our spirit so that we can, so that we can get stronger and that call then starts to be fulfilled because our spirit is overcoming our flesh. Daily feed your spirit because whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. So we need to starve our flesh and feed our spirit. And you will find that as you do that more, why is it that when we come away from a conference, we feel strong, we feel like we can change the world, we want to do something for God, we want to share Jesus with our neighbor, we want to make a difference, because we fed our spirit for three or four days constantly, and our spirit feels strong and is stronger than our flesh. But then after a while, that, that wanes, and we kind of let that go a little bit. But we need to keep our spirit strong. You know, and otherwise we will give in 
to the norm of society of, of comfort and convenience and let me say you know call living out the call of God every day in our lives comes with a cost there's many times where I've said I'm not sure I want to do this God I'm not sure I want to fulfill this call that you've put on my life it's there's a big cost and sometimes I feel like the cost is too much just being really honest but I know that I will not fulfill fully if I don't say yes to God and that he will be there with me through the tough times. He will walk me through them and he's already ahead of me making the way straight. The stronger we are in our spirit, we'll daily pray that dangerous prayer, Lord, send me, use me. You know, often we talk a lot about, hear a lot about screen fatigue at the minute. Oh, well, people, people don't want to watch online church because they just, they just got screen fatigue. They don't want to go on a connect group because it's screen fatigue. Let me just ask you today, do you have Netflix fatigue? Do you have Amazon Prime fatigue? Do you have, I don't know, whatever you watch. Do you have social media fatigue? We're quite happy to feed our flesh with these screens, but often we don't want to because it's inconvenient and it takes more effort to go on and contribute and to, and to go, yeah, I'm gonna feed my spirit today. But the, the payoff and the value of that is going to way outweigh you binge watching a Netflix series. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I, I love watching that as much as anybody. But we must feed our spirit more than we feed our flesh. Let me challenge you today. Make a, make a new decision. I'm going to feed my spirit every day more than I feed my flesh. And you know, I think often, you know, when we say, pray this prayer to God and we say, God, here I am, send me, use me. He might send you to Africa to be a missionary, but it's more likely that he's going to send you across the street to talk to your neighbor, that he's going to nudge you to pray for your colleague at work who's, who's sick or has a family member that's sick. He might ask you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor, but he's more likely to ask you to sow into your local church or help someone in need. God wants you to do what's in your hand. Just because you're scared of the big picture, don't say yes to what's in your hand. God wants to, us to be like Isaiah. He wants us to pray that dangerous prayer. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. That's my prayer today. And I really hope and pray that it's yours. God wants us as home church to rise up in these days to make a difference. And I believe as we individually pray that prayer, we will really make a difference in this world. Well, I want to say to you today, maybe you've been challenged by this message, but maybe haven't even given your life to Jesus. You didn't even realize that you could be forgiven. The Bible says that if we confess our sins and we believe in our heart that Jesus is who he says he is, we will be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer today. And actually, you can actually, on the, on the forum today that you're watching, you can actually tell somebody that you've made that decision. So if that's you, if you want to reach out and say yes, and say yes to Jesus today, pray this prayer with me. So Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and all of my sins could be buried in the sea of forgetfulness. I want to say yes to you today. I want to live my life for you. Come into my life. Give me a new start. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, tell somebody today. Reach out to someone because we want to help you get started with your relationship with God. Well, I hope you've been challenged and encouraged today. I know that I have been by preparing this message. Let's, all, let's be a church of individuals who say, here I am, Lord, send me, use me.